Welcome to the Good Theological Thursday podcast. My name is James Crockett. And I am Dre Clark. And we are glad to have you join in our conversation today. We hope that this podcast helps you as you think about your life and God and how they fit together. And a good Theological Thursday to all of you. We are in Season 8, Episode 7 of the podcast, something like that, Trey. I see on our notes 67. I think you try to change the 6 to a 7, and uh, there's just a, a 7 by the 6. So No, we're definitely uh, in Episode 67, very clearly. Yeah, Episode 67 of Season 8. We, we skipped a few, so those are uh, all, all the other ones are in like a deep didn't, file somewhere didn't, didn't know we had to count yeah, yeah we just that's how yeah. many outtakes this episode took right <laughs> there we, we go the <laughs> there we go yeah, yeah. that's right no. all right so season eight episode seven uh talking today about theonomy uh we just wrapped up a series last week on how does that work and now we are going to go into a subject called theonomy theonomy and uh, just for those who are like, what in the world is that? We're going to explain it. Um, and uh, But basically, give you a little preview. It has a little bit to do with how uh, biblical laws should apply to civil law and different mm-hmm. things like that. So um, it's a discussion on that. So, uh, Dre, a little bit different today. Um, yeah. Maybe it's appropriate coming off of we had midterms uh, last week, I guess. I didn't even so, think about that connection, but yeah, there's definitely a tie yeah, there. So. Yeah, so there there is probably a little bit of a tie in how a theonomist would even approach something like midterm elections. So, mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, Dre should be hopefully a useful and helpful discussion. Yeah, or if not interesting. So I don't, I don't know how use, yeah, useful yeah, it is to exactly. me, but it's, it's interesting. That's, that's true, yeah. yeah, at least interesting. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, before that, though, let's jump into our W3 segment, James. And so um, I'm continuing on until I run out. I mean, I, I really could do this for like, 20 episodes, so eventually I'll just stop, and you know, so we can go back to normal flow of, you know, just whatever's on our minds. But I've been going through leadership thoughts. So uh, James, here is leadership thought. I picked this one up at my last church, and so we had a new uh, guy who came in, and this was his favorite quote, and so I'll share it. I, I don't know where the with all these quotes, I really don't know where they come from. Um, but the, here's the quote. Here's the leadership thought. It's that trust and truth telling are inseparably linked. But trust is the highest value of leadership. Um, and the guy who taught this to me um, always would comment how, uh, interestingly enough, that this axiom, wherever it came from, uh, is also stated to be President Bill Clinton's favorite leadership axiom, which is just <laughs> ironic. <laughs> that trust and truth yeah. are inseparably yeah. linked, but trust is the highest value of leadership. What are your thoughts on it, James? Do you agree, disagree? Um, I mean, I, I would definitely say trust is going to be up there as one of the top values of leadership. Just because, look, if people don't trust you, uh, mm-hmm. then they're going to have a hard time following you. But yeah. if you've earned the trust of the people you're leading, then even when they don't always agree with decisions yeah. you've made, yeah. they have a trust in you. And so they say, look, I might not agree with that decision, uh, and, you know, but I, hey, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to trust that you've really thought through this. And even if you're wrong, it doesn't mean mm. like that you're not worth following anymore. It just means that, hey, I, we trust that you really thought through this. You really think this is the best thing to do. And yeah, and yeah people will follow you. I, and again, truth telling is um, an important part of that. I mean, I think that's pretty – hopefully that should be pretty obvious. If you want to earn people's trust, then you need to tell them the truth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, hopefully – and I think this is something that – 
you know, obviously this is a biblical value, but, you know, I think most leaders would tell you, like, you know, even if they're not necessarily Christians or believers, like, yeah, of course, that trust is such a high value in leadership. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Well, and I think that you know, it's, it's what you said, you know, by nature of leadership, um, one of my favorite quotes on leadership is uh, leadership is managing change at a rate that people can uh, can uh, take in, right? Um, mm-hmm. But if, if leadership is, is really, you're taking them from where they are to somewhere different, so hence change, I'm leading them somewhere um, from here to here, then it is, it's, it's, there's this value of that of, do I trust this person to lead me? Um, and one of the, one of the problems I see with this though, James, is that, um, I think, well, let me say it this way. I think one of the biggest issues that has happened in the, in our current church reality and our current day and age church reality is that mm-hmm. pastors, um, have as a whole have seemed to have lost the ability or have seemed to have lost people's trust. Um, Mm -hmm. whether through all the cultural things, but I I think what you're seeing more and more is people don't trust pastors because of, of Mm -hmm. these moral issues or because of maybe even their education level, or even because of their stances or because they, you know, just, they don't, they're not pastoring and, or another real big part of that is because pastors aren't staying long in places. And so, um, this deep rooted trust of, 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 of tenure, right, is, is, is not there too. So I think there's just a lot of interesting things there, but I, I do think that this is a value that anyone in leadership, not necessarily in churches, um, how, do, how do you, how do you maintain and how do you gain trust? And if you can figure mm-hmm. that out, and, and truth telling is part of that, right? Just being an honest person. But if you can figure that one out, um, you can lead. If, if you can't, then you won't be able to lead. So interesting, yeah. interesting thought, but um, yeah, that's, that's my kind of thoughts is I think this does directly apply to the kind of the world we live in. And, and you know, yeah. even even in my world, like I have an issue trusting leaders because I've had a lot of people in and out of my life, or that only were doing things in my life because of a paycheck or because of you know whatever it is. And so, finding people who actually cared about me and wanted to meet with me and listen to me, you know, to have that relationship of trust, you know, is or or even just having the the uh, the accreditation to have trust, you know, that's, that's also been a thing, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, I've even found myself seeking this in people and mentors and wondering who can I trust, um, you know, in the, my academic journey, I guess, too, this, that applies, but yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing. And so I think we yeah. should, I think we should spend some time as, like I said, leadership thought is spend some time thinking about how you can elevate your trust. Yeah. There's old axiom about, um, you know, when, you go to like, so for instance, if you're going to be a head pastor of the church and whenever a church transitions pastors and you go into that ministry that you've got to, you know, people will say anything from three years to the five years. Yeah. Um, but that there's a time whenever you come into a new situation where you earn people's trust. So if you go in right away and maybe you see some things that are wrong or see some things that you would like to change, yeah. um, it's it's difficult to just change everything all at once. And in fact, it's often unwise because even if you are right that this is the right thing to do for that ministry, you haven't earned the people's trust yet. Yeah. And so part of pastoring people is the idea of earning their trust and then once you've earned their trust, they, you can um, you can kind of lead them toward that change, and they'll follow you yeah. because again they trust you. And so trust is, I like you, said, it's got to be earned, and so it takes time yeah. to develop with people. But what what I love about this quote is though is is it almost you know it puts trust and truth telling inseparable. So it's not like this earning trust is this this 
step that I just have to do so I can really do the real thing. No, earning trust, you mm-hmm. do that by being honest. And it's actually, it's not just a step, a means to an end. It actually is a key integral part of the process, right? Of being someone who's known with of integrity and honesty. Um, that's, that's actually, it's not just a, like I said, it's not something you have to do so you can really do the thing that you want to do. Um, I think it is in and of the self, the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's what mm-hmm. it should be about as well. So, um, so I like how this quote doesn't just say, yeah, you got to learn people's trust and then you can take them wherever you want to take them. It's, it's almost saying, yeah, there's actually a, a reality behind this. And then at that point you can't effectively lead. Um, so it's not just a means to an end, which I think, I think that was maybe, you know, some, some four people's problems, right? I'm, uh, I'm going to get trust mm-hmm. quickly, you know, but it's not, I don't really, I don't really have integrity. I don't really want trust. I just want to get people to do my agenda. And so, um, no, yeah. it really is honestly caring about people. That's how you get trust. There's no shortcuts to that, and it's a good thing. But. Mm-hmm. All right, um, jump into episode seven, sixty-seven, um, theonomy. James, I want to know. This is this is a question that you got from somebody. Where the? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have uh, I've probably been asked about theonomy maybe once in my life. Um, studied it mm-hmm. in a class once, then asked about it once. So where the heck did this come from? Why are we talking about this today? I, did, I, I curiously, you know, I really want to know. Uh, where- well, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this time I was asked about is the only time I've ever been asked about it. In <laughs> fact, whenever, whenever I had, um, yeah, it was a friend of mine who uh, just texted me about it over the summer while we weren't recording, and um, and yeah, he just texted me one day like what my thoughts on theonomy are, and I was like theonomy, and I honestly wasn't even sure what he was talking about. <laughs> so that's how yeah. little I knew about it, and I still wouldn't claim to know that much about it. Um, I know hopefully enough for us to have a meaningful conversation, but yeah, but yeah, I, I I can't remember how it came up. I think maybe he saw like a Tim Keller quote on Twitter or something like that where he was dealing with theonomy, and I. I, I I could be wrong on that. I also could don't be, yeah. Remember, Keller, but, um, Keller, it sounds like something Keller would be doing. But dealing yeah, with. it is something that Keller, you know, because again, theonomy has a lot to do with the, you know how Christians engage in the public square and how yes. Christians are to engage the culture, right? So, yeah. um, you know, obviously Keller comments a lot on that stuff. So he's going to talk about um, he's going to talk about theonomy. But um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is the only time I've ever been asked about it. So, uh, so yeah, so I just kind of. Whenever I got asked, I just threw that on our idea list. We keep a brainstorm list for topics uh, that we'd like to talk about on the show, and so that was on there. And so it's like, all right, let's go, yeah. let's go and have a discussion on this. Yeah, wonderful. Um, well, James, I'll start off with so uh, this is actually a topic that surprisingly I've had a, quite a few lectures on, but that's because of the nature of my education, where I came from, so Dallas Seminary. So theonomy is. Um, it comes up in my world, um, so the way I normally frame this, uh, understanding that just so you know kind of my background, is, is I frame this concept in the discussions that I've had many of, of continuity and discontinuity. Um, and so mm-hmm. being at a school that is d- typically more on team discontinuity, um, d- being dispensationalist in that sense, um, in a world that maybe is not maybe there's more reform covenantal people especially in, in, in the worlds I live in uh, so I've had I've had to kind of think of it that way but really I see I see as you talk about um, the biblical narrative the covenants of the Bible right the the mm-hmm. the yeah really I guess covenantal structure is 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 how do you I mean so one there's this there's this divide of how are you covenant theologian are you dispensational 
And then kind of in the middle there is this progressive dispensationalist, which we a couple of weeks ago we were talking about this, me and you, and I, you, you made that statement. But anyways, that's how I frame mm-hmm. this. And so yeah. um, I, and I don't think so, – so theonomy to me, I, I, I studied it under the term of dominionism. Um, so it's, it's another name for theonomy. I think there's probably even another name that it's known by mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I kind of see it more on it, – it's not, it's not far – it's not as far to the end of the spectrum of, of continuity, but it's it's the kind of the next step away from that. So, um, yeah. whereas you know something that's way you know I, th- I think I think right off the bat it's you got to reject two different views of of how do you how do you read the covenants. One is complete Judaizing Christianity, right? And that's that's mm-hmm. far continuity that we are supposed to be Jews, right? Well, this is dealt with in Scripture itself. This is probably the oldest heresy, right? Um, that's dealt with is should Christians be Jews, right? That's Judaizing Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another heresy that you get in history way on the other end of discontinuity, which would be Marcion, right? So Marcionite Christianity, which is the, the Old Testament is completely a different God than the New Testament, right? Um, almost there's these two worlds. Mm-hmm. We should reject the Old Testament um, entirely. So those are two, those are kind of the setting up the ends of the spectrum of how do we deal with the covenant, right? We're talking about the, the Mosaic covenant, the Mosaic law. Um, so I see, so those two are definitely rejected. And then after that, you kind of move from heresy into kind of heterodoxy and then to what I would argue is orthodoxy, which is, you know, typical covenant theology, whether classic or modern or dispensational, rather revised classic or progressive. So I'm going to hold those as kind of the normative mm-hmm. views of how you balance these worlds. So that's where I'm going to hold that. So I, I hold this one as kind of a little bit more heterodoxy, a little bit, you know, where I would put, you know, hyper dispensationalism or hyper Calvinism is probably a little bit in this realm for me a little bit. Um, So that just a framework. um, Now, I I know that I've said a lot there that probably I understand, but James, maybe you need to translate that. Yeah, a little so bit. But this, I think we. I think there's a lot of terms there where we need. To, yeah, uh, I, and I realize that. I just don't know. I'm, just don't know. I'm saying them. So, so maybe take what I just said yeah. and help set us up a little bit better. Yeah. So let's let's just start with a basic definition of what theonomy is, and, and I'm going to give you a basic definition because theonomy is also many different things, right? There is there are uh, probably the better way to say it is there are different strands of belief when it comes to theonomy, but broadly. Broadly speaking, theonomy comes from the two words theos, which means God, and namos, which means law, so God's law. And really the idea behind theonomy is that God's law needs to be the civil law of the land and that Christians need to work in the theonomist movement to make sure that we are governed by the laws of God. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, the basic like, Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, there are the Ten Commandments here, but I mean, really, this can go as far as to say that the judicial law of Israel is the perfect yeah. law of God, and therefore, that's the law that we need today, right? Yeah. So that's that's really what this kind of well, comes down to. And let, let me to. clarify so, that a little bit more. So um, I think we talked mm-hmm. about this last week, but whenever we talk about the Mosaic law, um, some mm-hmm. people, and I, I, this is not what I hold, but some people typically... Um, my good friends over on the uh, classic covenant theology side are going to hold that the law is divided into moral, ceremonial, and civil. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, my good friends that hold the covenant theology, I don't. They're probably going to say that or they would say somehow the moral law is still binding as a way of life, right? It's a rule of life for Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so theonomist is going to say it's not just the moral um, it's it goes one step further. It's the civil as where, well as the moral. They they don't go to say the ceremonial. So that would be 
Judaizing yeah. Christianity. That they would they would hold no mm-hmm. the entirety of this law is still the rule for your life today. A theonomist yeah. is going to say, "Nah, the ceremonial stuff. You know, we're not Jews. <laughs> you know, they're going to they're going to cut that out. Mm-hmm. But they'll say they'll say that it's the moral and the civil law. So it's not just yeah, the yeah. it's mm-hmm. not just the Ten Commandments, but it's the um, the penalties, right? The, yeah, the it's pun- the penalties. It's yeah. the judgments. Yeah, that's how uh-huh. it's off, that's often how it's thought of as is, is the there's the penalties for these things um, that you're going to get. So that's that's theonomy in, in a very once again very concise way, um, and then it fits on this. Like I said, how how how, how much continuity? How how much like the Old Testament is the New Testament, the New World we live in? So that's where they're yeah. They're going there. so, so a quote from a quote from an article describing this is the idea that theonomy seeks to apply the civil law of the Mosaic Covenant to contemporary civil government. Mm-hmm. Theonomists wish for civil government not only to take its directions from Christianity, mm-hmm. but also to craft specific law in the shadow of Old Testament Israel. Uh, another thing this was called, especially in the early movement, it was called Cre- Christian Reconstruction. Um, and there was some bit of overlap between that and yeah. theonomy. Theonomy apparently is like the applied version of this. Sure. So, yeah. um, and this is a movement that began back in the like the 70s and 80s um, with a few different figures. And, and really, I think today it's not so much a, so if you want to talk about people who are maybe more theonomists, it's not so much a movement now. Um, as it is a, as it is a mo- so this this article I'm even looking at, I think it's better. It's a mode of engagement. Really, the idea of how does the Bible engage civil government? And so, uh, maybe more extreme theonomist would say something to the effect of that we need to get into office and then we need to change the laws of the land according to the laws of Old Testament Israel, these judicial laws yeah. and these moral laws. Um, and so that's the army broadly. Now I think there are different, kind of like a, kind of like even with like Calvinism. There's like different, um, mo, different uh, degrees. At which someone might be a theonomist, mm-hmm. there might be the extreme degree that says, okay, no, like every single judicial, every single um, punishment, like uh, that's exists in the Old Testament yeah. for certain violations of civil law, like those are the punishments we need to have today. Um, that's so. Yeah, let's let's give an those. example. I, you know, so Deuteronomy twenty five. I was reading this other day. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was a it was a meme on one of my atheist pages that I follow because I just like to know what they think. But it was this. You know, they, mm-hmm. they cartoonized cartoonized. They illustrated. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, they illustrated this passage, and it's okay if two men are fighting and a woman gets involved and she accidentally hits the groin of of one of the men fighting, you got to cut off her arm, right? <laughs> so yeah, uh-huh, very clear yeah, uh-huh. illustration for a you know a very you know, anyway, so yeah, so it's like, oh yeah, we should still, so yeah, some may say, well, you know, maybe not that one, but then, you know, proper theonomists yeah. would say, yeah, we, that's civil, <laughs> it's a civil thing. Yeah, cut that, off. That's, and that's just, probably the problem. A lot of theonomists, like, I feel like they're probably not that far and it's just like, you start to get into it and you start to get into those, yeah, like a weird passage like that. And it's like, oh, wait a second, we probably don't need to apply that one. So at that point, and this is where theonomy can tend to break down. It's just like, well, what's your... What's your measure here for what civil part of the law would need to be kept and what wouldn't? So, um, but, but again, a true theologist would say, "Oh no, yeah, we should just keep that in place." And so, um, so that's kind of a broad definition. I don't, I don't think I'm strawmanning it because um, I, because I, I also want to say like there are different degrees here um, mm-hmm. that people kind of stick by. Uh, 
Dre, you, you talked a little bit about and one of the problems of this uh, of this um, of this view is that how it deals with continuity and discontinuity. Uh, why don't you explain what you mean by that um, when it comes to um, a biblical hermeneutic? Uh, because really, this is a hermeneutical issue. Like this is a how do we interpret the Bible type issue? Yeah. So, um, what do you mean by continuity and discontinuity? Yeah. So. Um, really, it's it's the you're looking at the distinctions of um, of what what is God doing. So so I'm coming from a dispensational perspective. So what I'm going to hold. So you know, a theonomist, right, or even a, even a covenant covenant theologian are going to insist that there's not any distinction between God's program with Israel and what I would say the program with the church. So the, so the question is is mm-hmm. is how much. How much of the Old Testament world kind of spills over, you know, continu- yeah, continues yeah. into the New Testament world? You know, how much of Israel continues to the church? Um, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, so a theonomist is going to say that the Old Testament law of God, or really in the Mosaic economy, is still spills over to today. Whereas someone who's more on the on the discontinuity side, so t- aka dispensationalists, are going to say, no, there's a different, there's a different economy happening here. It's what the word dispensation means, economia. And so they're going to say that the law of Moses was a rule of life in that economy, in the Old Testament, and it was terminated at Calvary. And then a covenant theologian is going to you know, be more in the middle, I get, or more kind of the other side of that, but still beyond that. So um, so yeah, so the idea is, is um, you're, you're kind of saying, okay, how much, how much of today of the church, uh, how much of what ha- what applied to Israel applies to the church, and so is there more continuity? Mm-hmm. Is there more? It, it continues. The Old Testament continues well, one story, or is there discontinuity? There's something different. There's something new that has happened. That's probably a, yeah. that's definitely an oversimplification. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what I, that's what I'm talking about in that spectrum. So whenever we're talking about the Mosaic Law, does it continue today or not? Right. So someone who's a um, you know, hyper, or I say like a hyper dispensationalist or a Marcionite is going to say absolutely none at all. Like there's, it's the Old Testament's completely different God, different, you know what I mean? Um, a yeah. hyper dispensationalist going to go a little bit further. Um, and then you get classic revised progressive. Um, and so and those terms just, who knows what they mean, but there's tons of, tons of caveats in there. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, so for, for me, I'm going to say that, you know, a theonomist would say it's the duty of the church to bring civil powers into subjugation to God's laws, right? Precepts and penalties. As a dispensationalist, I would say that's not the duty of the church. Um, yeah. I, 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 will, yeah. I will hold that that is um, the, the exercising dominion is the, is the role of the second Adam, right? So that, that's, mm-hmm. that's Jesus' yeah. role. He's the one to do that. And now then, then you get to say, okay, when does that happen? Right, and so then, mm-hmm. then if, depending if you're progressive dispensationalist or not, you kind of get this already not yet theology that comes into that. But the idea mm-hmm. that so I, I'm going to hold to millennial kingdom personally, so so that's when this dominion comes. I can't necessarily bring that dominion. Whereas yeah. a theonomist would say, no, this is the this is what the church ought to be doing. Right, so you kind of that's that's yeah. why you know that's why this probably has come up because. You're talking about political transformation, engagement, political mm-hmm. establishing Christian rule, um, in, into into what, and then like I said, even a step further, establishing not just Christian rule, but establishing Christian principles of the civil law from the Old Testament, which I would say mm-hmm. should not continue. So that's yeah, that's kind of a little bit talking about the spectrum there as it relates. Is that clarifies? Yeah, yeah, I think that helps, I, and I think you know. 
So kind of you're delving into a little bit the problems here uh, with theonomy and with kind of this method of engaging the culture. Uh, I, I think there's there's a couple problems here, um, you know, and you've mentioned some of this, but just kind of putting it in some other terms. Uh, one problem is with theonomy is how it. I think it misunderstands the purpose of God's law. So the idea that yeah. God's law is supposed to be this model for how um, this this specific model for how civil government should be run, mm-hmm. like that it's some sort how a a model for contemporary government. Um, I don't think that's really the purpose of the law. I mean, the purpose of the law was very specifically, Hmm. especially Mosaic law, was very specifically for Israel to mark out the people of God. And I don't think that God instituted, uh, you know, you get these laws in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Like, I don't think God instituted the law uh, just to say, all right, this is how all civil governments from now until eternity should be run, right? I don't really think that's the purpose. In fact... In fact, the reason we know this is because, and again, not that Theonomus uh, suggests we should keep a sacrificial system, but we do know that the sacrificial system is not going to be in new creation. It's not going to be in Christ's kingdom because there will be no need for sacrifice, right? Because yeah. all things will be made new. So, Which, by the way, is um, a massive debate in dispensationalism, <laughs> dispensationalism yeah. when it comes to the millennial yeah. kingdom. But yeah, anyways, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I don't want to gloss yeah, over. I know that that's a, it's a major issue. You know, is there ritual? Yeah, sure. to, and that's how you interpret Daniel. But anyways, yeah, yeah. But for the most part, sure. yeah, I agree. At least in the... But yeah. Maybe not in the millennium, but at least in the the new, the, new, new heaven, creation, new creation. Yeah, yeah. New not. heaven, new earth is new heaven, new earth yeah. is really what I'm getting at there. Yeah. Not necessarily the millennial kingdom itself, yeah. but um, so we do know like some of these things come to an end, mm-hmm. um, so to say, right? So there is a there is a discontinuity in history at this point, mm-hmm. um, and there is also law that predates Israel's law, right? You know, there well. There's law that predates the Mosaic law. You know, Paul even talks about that with, uh, you know, talking about Abraham, you know, that Abraham does not have the Mosaic law. And so I, I think it, you know, so problem number one you have is it's misunderstanding to me what the purpose of the Mosaic law was. And yeah. it's not necessarily meant to be this model for contemporary civil government. Yeah, um, but but it gets confusing though. I want to I want to be fair. It gets confusing because a lot of what the Bible, I mean, this, this just comes up all the time. A lot of people, I think, honestly and genuinely believe the Bible is a book of morality, right? And if mm. if that really is what you think the Bible is, you know, primarily. Yeah then it makes sense that, well, we ought to take the morals of the Bible and make them applicable. And, and who, what, what gives you the right to pick and choose whether it's don't kill or whether it's if you committed this, you need to be stoned. Like what gives you the right to pick and choose which, mm-hmm. which of God's morals are right. And right. So I get how it can, I get how someone can, can slide into that. I would just argue that the, the Christian goal for the world is not this development of biblical theocratic republics, right? You know, um, and mm-hmm. in, in where you're trying to establish this morale. I, I think that, and we talked about this a couple weeks, last week, maybe it was last week, but God's goal is righteousness, mm-hmm. right? And what does righteousness look like? Yeah. And um, in the heart of the law and in, in some of these things. And so I would just say that what you get in the Mosaic law is a very niched outworking of that for a certain period in time for a certain people 
to demonstrate their inability yes. to fulfill that. And and then within yeah. that, to not only demonstrate their inability, but then to also provide a provision for when they are enabled to, to practice trust in God through sacrifice um, and through, through the mm-hmm. Levitical sacrificial system with priests, and, and, and that's what it is. And, but, but it was never meant to actually work. It was meant to demonstrate a, a, a need for a coming Savior, a Messiah. So, so yeah, yeah it is, it, I agree. Yeah. With you. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of um, these rules. Were in my mind, it's it's. But once again, I'm reading that with discontinuity. This is, I'm reading that really as a, as a dispensation. That's an economy for somebody there that doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't you know. Or if I want, let me, I can get rid of my dispensational language. It's a covenant for that people. We have a different mm-hmm. covenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the idea. I think. In so you got the second problem here is. Not that grace doesn't exist in the Old Testament, but the reality is, is that we live in whatever term you want to use, a dispensation or a covenant. Like one of the key, one of the key characteristics of this present, again, for dispensationalist covenants, uh, covenant, covenant theologians, one of the key characteristics of the current dispensation or covenant is grace, right? The law of Christ. It's, it's about Grace and how does grace then work into if you if you want to be a theonomist right and you want to you want to you know make the entire civil government according to the Old Testament law with both its morality and both with its civil aspects of that law then how does grace work into your system and I think what theon you know just reading again with what little I have. Um, to me, one of the big problems of theonomy is I, I, I don't know if it does a really good treatment of grace and works grace into its economy as well. Yeah. And so um, I think that's another pretty big problem here. Uh, Dre, does that make sense while I'm getting out there? Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. To, to, once again, this would, I think Romans would argue pretty, it'd be hard, I don't know how you could read Romans and understand you know, the, 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 we are dead to the law. Like, what does what does that mean? And so, why would we why would we revive something that Romans even says? Um, not that it was ineffective, but that it actually increases sin. Right? The law, <laughs> the law was mm-hmm. given to, um, to 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 demonstrate something that once you've once it's been demonstrated, and now we have the fulfillment of that. You know, then why why go back to it? Yeah. So you you, mm-hmm. you kind of derail grace a little bit. Not that there's not yeah. grace in the law. I think that. I think that's another thing we could, yeah. we could argue. Well, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm trying not to, yeah, I, I don't want to say there's not grace there. So, uh, Dre, what about? So here's another problem. I, I think that you know, and again, I, I'm reading kind of a current article where it kind of talks about um, maybe the wrong theological posture, so to say, right? Uh, and the idea that theology can lead to a theology of glory rather than theology of the cross. And, and so the, the basic idea is that theonomists, it almost propels Christians to be triumphalists, like that we're, we're fighting this war against civil government and that we've got to yeah. somehow overtake the civil government and enact our laws on, or not enact our laws, enact yeah. God's laws, right? So instead of what Paul talks about a lot is a theology of suffering and loss. You know, Paul even talks about, yeah. um, in Colossians, he even uses the language, I am fulfilling what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And mm-hmm. he's not saying that Christ didn't suffer enough for the sins of the world, but the idea that, I think for Paul, the idea there is that because I am in Christ, I now suffer as he suffered, and that there is somehow a measure of suffering and loss 
that is left for those who are in Christ so that they can participate in Christ's suffering, but that eventually they will also participate in Christ's resurrection and Christ's glory. And so, uh, so that's another uh, problem that some people point out. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's interesting that the New Testament, um, Jesus doesn't necessarily establish Christendom, you know, as far as mm-hmm. yeah. um, he, 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 in fact, that's actually what they wanted him to do. And they're, they're kind of disappointed because Messiah didn't do that. Um, yeah. Jesus, Jesus, they were expecting this Messiah to come and overthrow the Roman Empire. Um, mm-hmm. it, he doesn't, you know, um, that doesn't happen until, you know, the Edict of Milan, right, with with Constantine and, and uh, was it 13, mm-hmm. 13, 12 or whatever. And so Christian, you know, and, and then and so I'm not going to argue that Christendom is a bad thing. I'm, I'm not arguing that establishing Christendom and maintaining it. And, and you know, I, I describe Christendom. I've said this before as prestige, power and privilege. Right. Um, and so I'm not saying that's not good. I'm not saying I, I just don't know if it's our task or if it's our responsibility to to, um, I don't know, how much time, energy, resources do I devote to that? And that's not to say that we don't need Christians in politics, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't, Mm -hmm. if we have the liberty to fight for for political transformation, I'm not saying those things. And and, and there are things that are Christian, right? There is is righteousness, there's good, there's morality, ethics. I do think Mm -hmm. we should be advocates for that. but yeah, I don't, you know, it's interesting that just how, what what role does that play in the Christmas life, right? Am I going to devote my entire life to making a Christian culture? I don't know if, mm. I don't even know if I can, right? Like, I don't, I don't, I actually don't think we can. I don't think, you know, the closest mm. we can get is what Augustine's view was, that you have these, these two worlds, right? And you got the, the these world the kind of kind of God's world and, and man's, and you kind of see them in a static flipping back and forth. Um, but I just don't know, you know, if if that's something that we, I just don't uh, how much how much should what should we devote to that, and is that the goal? Um, I don't think that's the goal of the gospel writers. Like what you're saying, Paul's goal is no. In fact, it, whenever you're not in the power, when you're in the suffering, that's actually when Christ's character can be produced more. That's actually when the church grew most. Um, the period of the church when they had bouncers at the door and they were hiding was the period when they grew most. Even now, I mean, China is, is, is if not already, the center center of Christian leadership in our current reality, right? And, the, and there's mostly mm-hmm. illegal in different places, and, and you got the underground church mm-hmm. and stuff. So, yeah, so I don't think that it's a... Once again, it's not wrong to fight for it, and, and if I have a chance to vote for those things, of course I'm going to vote for for Christian morals, but, um, yeah. but that's different than saying I, I'm going to devote my life to making sure that this culture is under the dominion of Christ. Um, yeah. Which once again, that, that it, it, immediately that plays into my eschatology. So, yeah, I, I think you're hitting on something key there where, look, we're not saying it's a bad thing to promote biblical values um, to our culture and to desire that our culture practices biblical values. But the way I would say it is again, this goes but, but back. But Theonomus to, believes that is the purpose. Let's be very clear. So Theonomus yes, is going to say yes. this is actually the solution, and that's what we're yes, getting. At. Exactly. That's, that is not the solution. The solution is yes, Christ's yeah, return, and, the second coming. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's that's what I would get to because this is this comes down to what is the 
what is the purpose uh, of the believer? And is it to install moral yeah. rule, moral law? and Because cha- what, really what that comes down to, Dre, is it becomes down to behavior modification, mm-hmm. right? So we need to enact these laws so we can modify people's behavior to align with biblical behavior. And the biblical vision is that transformation does not happen that way. Mm-hmm. Transformation happens through the gospel, right? It happens through grace. Um, and so, again, not to say we can't promote those biblical values, but what what is it that we're striving towards? Well, we're striving for people to be transformed into the image of Christ. And yeah. the way this happens is through the gospel. It's through the spirit. It's not through enacting civil laws. And so, uh, and again, so all that to say, not to say you can't be involved in politics, not to say you can't be involved in promoting those things, but our hope is not that we're going to be able to just set up this new economy ourselves really again the hope is that one day i would say that all things will realize the rule of christ right and that christ is the one who will enact his rule right that god that god will enact god has appointed christ as king over all things and that one day christ will come and the you know i would agree with you uh that the enactment of this rule happens at the millennial kingdom and then we get the almost the Cause you're, you're uh, a closet dispensationalist for sure yeah yeah <laughs> so the the affirmation the final the final stamp on this rule um, in the new heavens and the new earth yeah. and so that's really what we're looking forward to and so really then at that point it puts the hope in um, the transformation of the culture it, the hope is in two things it's not in my ability to enact um, God's law really the transformation of the culture is in two the hope is in two things one the power of the gospel and two in the future return of christ right and and that's really what we should be striving towards yeah yeah so so the heart of the the the, the application of this is is what is our calling right um Mm -hmm. you know and so you get the you know prophet priest king you kind of get the you know get this language in there of you know it, it all comes down to your eschatology so so are we you know, are we, is Christ on the throne currently and, and are we accomplishing, you know, in this world what he wants us to accomplish through us, right? Are we, are we reigning mm-hmm. with him, right? Or, or are we his prophetic voiced, you know, in this priesthood on behalf of the world? And so, so like I said, it really comes down to eschatology, um, you know, is it all three at once? And so, um, so yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be consistent with my, my view and say that Christ, um, I don't think Christ is reigning on on David's throne, right? I don't. I, I think he's functioning in a high priestly ministry. I get this from Hebrews, and I think that we're called to participate as mediator, mediators of this. And so, our job mm-hmm. is to continue the proclamation of the work and the functioning of him as priesthood and his coming to be king, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, in mind, there's still the not yet aspect of that. You know, what does it mean for Christ to be king? The not yet aspect yeah. to me doesn't doesn't work with uh, with theonomy, but at the same time, I, I I'm more I do agree with progressive dispensationalists that that we that, you know we are called to be the hands and feet of the king who who is on the throne who's or who's um, how do I say it? he's inaugurated but he's not he's not functioning so he's so Christ is on his throne. Um, but uh-huh. not, but in an inaugurated sense, not because it's like I said, I'm going to hold to this already not yet theology more, and so yeah. so what is yeah. the function of, of us in the meantime? To me, it's we're the hands and feet, we're the we're the proclaimers um, of of what Christ has come to do, what Christ will come to finish, and and some of that proclamation can be by using God's morality or God's moral, you know, 
or the ethics that, that, that of righteousness, righteous ethics, moral ethics, to persuade a world of a better way. But if, but if it doesn't happen, it's not my, it's not my place, you know? So I'll, mm. I'll always be an advocator, proclaimer for it. But if it doesn't happen, it's not, it's not my purpose for the church. And so it really, yeah. it really does come down to this question. What is our current as believers, as the church, what is our current calling are we to be prophets, priests, kings? Are we, you know, what is that? And that? So that's yeah. kind of where it, it practically comes down to everybody. And so the theonomists are going to have a, they're going to say, I don't go nearly far enough. <laughs> so they're they're going to say, yeah. they're going to be upset yeah. with me on that. Um, and I'm going to say, well, it's heterodoxy. <laughs> so it's not heresy. Yeah. It's, I, I just I don't hold it. Yeah. So. Yeah. The way, the way I would word it is Christ, he is enthroned. He has been conferred. Royal authority has been conferred upon him, yes. um, but it has not yet been realized. Exercised, yeah. Yeah, exercised, realized throughout the earth, right? Yeah. So that all things exist under his authority currently, but yes. there's a difference between they exist under his authority and then he you know, it enforces his authority, right? Maybe that's a Correct. way to say it, yeah. right? So, um, and so what is the believer... But, you know, Ephesians talks about that we are enthroned in the heavenlies with Christ. And really the idea is kind mm-hmm. of, the, I think that we are, in fact, Colossians even says that you are, your lives are hidden with Christ. And so the idea, I think, is that yeah. we exist now. We have realized the authority of the king, right? And so yeah. as those who have now realized the authority of the king and exist under his lordship, we ought to live our out. role yeah. now is to be royal ambassadors to the earth yeah. um, to make known that the king is coming. Right, that the king, the king will return, so to say. Yeah. So, and, th- and that puts um, us kind yeah. of in the middle. So, we're in a covenant. Theologian will mm-hmm. say, "Okay, keep the Sabbath." The dispensationalists will say, "No." <laughs> so, it's kind of it's what. Yeah. So now, now you. Mm-hmm. So once again, that back to this idea is: is there a moral law, and what is the nature of that? And we talked about this last week. Um, you know, do we take the moral law from the Mosaic law, or do we? As is it a whole new dispensation entirely? You know, that's then that's that's mm-hmm. where you kind of go to the normative debates between covenant theologians and dispensationalist theologians. Um, yeah. So which yeah. yeah. So that that leads us there. So it kind of brings us beyond. So yeah. So theonomy is definitely a far-reaching step to the spectrum, and um, mm-hmm. in, I yeah I don't see much merit to it because of some of the things we talked no. about. So that, that's all I could probably no. say about this, James. Um, no, I, I I think that's a good wrap up. Yeah, I mean I think you and I both agree. You know, there's not much merit to this, and I think a lot of like serious biblical scholars will tell you there's not much merit to it. I, I would say if you ever engage in the conversation with someone who talks about theonomy, probably just ask what they mean. Because I think sometimes people talk about theonomy and it's like they're not a true theonomist. It's like once you get maybe fully into a conversation with them, yeah. you're just saying, uh, yeah, they're just not saying the same things that a true theonomist yeah. would say. You should, but, you should um, probably get in a fist fight with them and see if their girlfriend <laughs> intervenes and see if he's going to cut off her hand. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, say, hey, if you're a true theonomist, cut her arm off. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so no, oh, that's, yeah. that's that's terrible. Um, all right, yeah, cool. Okay, James, close us out <laughs> on that note. All right, yeah, yeah, that's all we got to say about that. We got to get going. So, uh, thank you as always for taking some time to listen to the podcast. If you have a question or a topic you would like for us to talk about, like for us to talk about, you can reach out to us a couple ways. You can reach out to us on Facebook at our Facebook page, Good Theological Thursday. Send us a message there, or you can email us at goodtheologicalthursday 
at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard today, we would ask you to consider subscribing to the podcast, leave us a rating or a review, or just pass this episode along to a friend. Uh, Dre, uh, I don't think we talked about where we're going next week, so finish us up. Yeah, so send us a question for next week <laughs> if you got one. Uh, now we'll we'll come up with something. Um, actually, no, James, next week is Thanksgiving, so we will not. Thanksgiving, so we probably won't be doing anything next week. Guarantee yeah. you, unless we do it early yeah. and we do a Thanksgiving one, which probably won't happen. I don't know, I'm in the office Monday, Tuesday, but you may be off a week. Either way, yeah. join us back in a Thursday. Too. We're, we're so, this season's been so inconsistent, but we will eventually be back on a Thursday <laughs> with a topic yes. um, that you can send us. And until then, um, have a good Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. See ya.